0: Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is, one more time, p-o-d-g-o dot c-o, podgo dot co. This episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something we could all use more of right now. That's right, sex. Great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is the place to go. That's right, blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. If you could benefit from more confidence right where it counts, BlueChew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. That's right. When you use the promo code EMPIRE, you pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's blue the promo code EMPIRE to try it for free that's right bluechew.com use the promo code EMPIRE
1: the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal A.J. Styles. You're
2: listening to the two-man
0: power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Hello, oh, and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and with us today is a former SCW World Heavyweight Champion, a former USWA World Tag Team Champion, a great producer, and one of the famed trainees of the legendary Dominic DiNucci. He is Mr. Cody Michaels. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling.
2: John, thank you very much.
0: It's a, it's a ple- pleasure to be here today and
2: to be with the umpiner
0: awesome great stuff so what's been going on in your world what have you been up to
2: well my world right now is um working of course uh not wrestling related but um chiropractor now and have been doing that for over 24 years and that pretty much takes up my life right now
0: how's it been going on since the pandemic is is it busier less busy is is it kind of like uh, one of those things where it's been a little bit slow because of the pandemic?
2: You know, it it's 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 interesting because I, <clears throat> I I my location is downtown Pittsburgh. So initially when I had gotten into practice, I had two young kids coming up. I was still involved in wrestling and I didn't want to miss any any activities, anything of my kids growing up, so I said, Well, if I start a practice out in the suburbs, I am going to be working evenings and weekends and that's going to shoot my time with my kids, my family, my wife, um, any potential wrestling endeavors going on. So I said, well, let me open a location up in downtown Pittsburgh. Daylight, no evenings, no weekends. So, you know, the hours worked well, allowed me to do what I was doing, continue to do what I was doing. Um, You know, but then the pandemic hits you know it's it's interesting because you know downtown Pittsburgh now is well below fifty percent capacity um, you know all the companies are kind of they're relook you know relooking at their footprints their physical footprints in buildings and a lot of them are working from home so um in that aspect a, a percentage of my practice has slowed down but i do i mean I do a lot of I do a lot of litigation work I do a lot of workers' comp, um, auto crashes, injuries, reviews, things like that. So I, I keep busy. I keep busy.
0: Good, though, keeping busy. You've got to keep yes. busy in these times. And it, the interesting thing about you is we always kind of talk about you on, on the triple threat with Shane, but you've never <laughs> been on. I feel like he's trying to purposely – you know what I mean? Like you have some dirt on him or some sort of stories. He's trying to keep you, uh, <laughs> keep you out.
2: He definitely doesn't want me to tell any
0: stories oh. You know,
2: yes. I, I I definitely know he doesn't want his real birthday
0: getting out. So oh, that's, so that's... you actually know it? Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, we may talk about it as as the time goes on here today.
0: Mm. Nice, because uh, <laughs> Mick Foley thought it was November twenty first and wished him a happy birthday, and it's not November twenty first. I don't know how, but Mick Foley got it screwed up.
1: <laughs>
2: Mick's a great guy. Mick, Mick is Mick is one of the best. It is a November birth date, and may may divulge a little bit later. Nice. And okay.
0: Later. Nice. <laughs> with that class of trainees, I feel like, man, Like sometimes you look at wrestling schools or trainees, you're like, oh, okay, one guy comes out of here or whatever. But, man, Foley, Shane, Brian Hildebrand, I mean, that's a pretty good class you got there with uh, Mr. Dominic DiNucci.
2: That was really good. It was really good. It was, And I, I knew Brian – Troy and Brian before you know even getting into training, so you know that that connection personally was there with those guys, and then meeting Mick as Mick was driving down on the weekends to train um, and it was a it was a great class, and only that I mean I had another another partner i 'd worked with early on, uh, Dickie Flanagan is the heartbreakers. Um, it, we, it was just we could have matches in that gym in the school that were better than ninety nine percent of the indie cards at the time
0: anywhere. Wow, it is crazy like just to think of like man the the talent level it, it was was unbelievable. Did Tannucci or excuse me Dominic Tannucci did he like recruit guys in like how did he end up getting kind of like that class of you guys?
2: Well, I had. <clears throat> You know, you grow up as as a fan, grow up as a mark, going to matches at the Civic Arena, um, watching Dominic when I was growing up, watching Bruno San Martino, jumping the DeFazio, the local guys here in the area. Um, You know, watching them was always a fan. You start reading some magazines, um, looking at that. You know, I, I played football in college, and that's where I met Troy, was my roommate freshman year in college. And he was starting to get involved. And at the time, you know, I, I did not have time to do it. And he would go home on the weekends, train with Dominic, and come back down to school. So we'd always talk about it. And then I knew Brian Hildebrand as well. And he had started, he was, he was going to Guido Mongols at the time and then was going to Dominic's as well. You know, and it was just, you know, the conversation with the two of them, like, hey, why don't you come up? And that's really, that's how Dominic was recruiting a lot. Yeah, he would put some advertisements in, in magazines here and there um, that it was, you know, word of mouth, guys training. If you knew someone it was athletic, had some ability you know, and it kind of worked out
0: well. Great class of guys. Yes. So when you're kind of like moving on along, you actually start physically training with him. Does he get you guys the matches, like say WWF enhancement matches, the dark matches, and stuff in the, the mid to late '80s? Is that him setting that up?
2: It was for for most of us. It was. Um, you know, he first first of all Dominic would not let you. Work a match until he felt you were ready. Already at you were all ready at different levels, different intervals. He put me in my first match at three months, and it was just a happenstance of up with Brian Hildebrand at the time, and it was, a, it was on a Wednesday night, and just the two of us were there, me, Brian, and, and Dominic, and we were working out. And Dominic said, um, kid, bring, bring for training Saturday. Um, you know, bring your boots and tights, and and we may stay a little bit later. Because he never he never smartened you up. Everything was – he'd want to see how you would react to situations. So he wanted to kind of surprise you. So that Saturday went up. I didn't have tights. And I had just a, you know, pair of short spandex tights. And he says, come on, we're going to go to Ohio. You're going to work tonight. I, I was shocked. I had no idea. Again, didn't have a pair of tights, and he said, well, here. He he went home, and he got a pair of blue tights for me, older ones that he wore when he was in his thinner days. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. But uh, the funny thing was they fit well when I put them on. I didn't know what wrestling tights were supposed to fit like. Get to the ring, start working. He'll take a handful of tights, pulls them up, and they came up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and up
2: <laughs> and I probably flashed. I don't know how many old women in the front row probably <laughs> saw. Probably saw a little bit more what they needed to. <laughs> but no, Dominic did. He he. Dominic's really good to me. He was really good to me. Um, yeah, exactly. Is going his enhancement talent. He would set that up for us. Um, if you wanted to do more, and you know, he would get me. Like he would give me Stu Hart's phone number, call Stu, talk to him, things like that. Um, but for the most part, you know, he would take us down to Wildwood, New Jersey with him all the time when Dick Worldy ran at, at a Wildwood Convention Center on a boardwalk. He would just set things up like that for you, which is, you know, maybe a little different than today. Yes, and, and Dominic would, would would set matches up like that, would get us booked there, would you know, would get us booked in Ohio, would get us booked – You know, any promoters he had worked for in the past would get us booked in Canada, Windsor, Toronto, Detroit, and through West Virginia, Maryland, um, would just get the matches set up for us.
0: With him, is he one of those trainers that, it's weird, but, like, some of the trainers seem like they want the guys, not to fail, but they almost want them to quit. And, you know, like, they're so old school, they almost don't want them in the business. It's such a tough business. They're, like, really almost... Train the guy to fail. Was he like that, or was he kind of more easygoing? Where he wanted you to to succeed.
2: He definitely wanted wanted you to succeed, but he did not want you to. And again, th- those guys, and, and it's a shame that the the younger generation of worker doesn't doesn't have those experiences with those guys, with a with a Dominic Anucci, with a Johnny Rods, you know, with a Mike Sharp. With don't have those experiences of you know, they they want you to succeed but they don't want you to take it for granted. They want don't want you to think it's easy. You know, by no means was Dominic abusive to us, Did no means, you know, you know of course he could down of stretch you a little bit initially, see what you can do, but I had a little background. Um, you know, I could hold my own a little bit. And I think he respected that. And, and we respected him too. So it was, you know, you give him respect, he gives you respect back.
0: When you get... To let's say WWF and do an enhancement match, who were some of the guys you ended up working with?
2: Um, actually, that's funny because the first enhancement match I worked, um, they put me in a tag team against the Islanders, which was Haku and Tonga at the time, and they were giving them a push. And you knew what you went up there for. And it was funny because we, we first, first night up, um, I believe, was either Syracuse or Rochester, New York. Walk in. Sit down, and you're looking at the dressing room, and it's just a huge area. And there's Bundy, there's Hogan, there's Andre. You're kind of in awe, you know. And, and here's a little group of four or five of us sitting there, kind of off by ourselves. Um, Gene Okerlund walks over. and He goes, "The boys like look like you're waiting for the Inquisition."
1: <laughs> and when we <we're> did,
2: <laughs> we just we were just just starstruck. You know you it's you know it's a business, you know professional go back to what Dominic always taught us was be respectful, introduce yourself, be friendly, um, sit down and listen, 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 absorb as much as you can, you know don't speak unless you're spoken to, so that was the training. That he was giving us taught us really well in a ring, but also the outside of the ring things. And I remember, I remember specifically that match because I got my nose broken. Haku um, laid one in pretty good on me, which again, it's, it happens. It happens. Um, after a match, I walked up with a bloody nose. shook his hands and I said, Thank you very much. And that was it. But it's funny that months later, Tonga remembered that. Because I was on another show he was at, and I walked up to him and said, you know, hello, do you remember me? He goes, ah, broken nose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's great.
2: So, but that's, you know, that's, that's, those are the things Dominic taught you. And also, um, you know, he said, look, kid, when you get out and you get on the road, don't hang out in the bars like the rest of the guys do. Don't be loud. Don't be seen getting drunk don't be seen, don't pick up girls, they're going to flock to you, stay away, stay away. And that's that's just what we did. You know, you'd go to a show, go to a town, where's the hotel? Go to the hotel, wake up the next morning, go to the gym, go to the next show. That's kind of the way we were trained.
0: That's pretty good, though, on him. He's kind of given you not only wrestling advice, but, like, life advice, too. Like, you had to be careful out there, you know, stay safe. Avoid exactly. trouble.
2: Exactly. And that's, for, for the most, most of us got that, you know, and, and granted, you know, some of us had stable family backgrounds going growing up, and some didn't. But you still got that reinforcement of, you know, act like a man, behave like a man, be respectful. Again, give respect, you'll get respect. And that's, that's a good lesson I learned from them.
0: Do you remember any other dark matches or enhancement matches that you had there for WWF?
2: Yeah. um, You know, back when we were coming up, and I don't know if you recall, but at the time, you know, Vince, they were running three towns a night.
0: Oh, yeah. yep.
2: They were running A, B, and C circuits. So, you know, no way at that stage in my career was I getting on an A shot or a B shot. It just was not happening. But C shots now there was a, a referee that was from the same area of Pittsburgh I was from, Bucky Palermo. And it turned out that Bucky had actually gone to high school with my mother. So when I started training, Bucky, you know, kind of was saying, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to do it? You know, and after after a few months, you know, he knew Dominic, respected Dominic, and also um, and one night he said, hey, why don't you come up to Katanning, little little town up the road? He said, I'll see if I can get you on. And it was one of the sea tiles and the first the first show I worked there was, was with a guy named Jerry Allen. You know, who was a you know opening opening car talent for them, but that was one of those guys that they would start to get over on the sea tile, you know, on the sea circuit. And those are the guys that I work with, like you know, like a Jerry Allen. Um, you know, worked Jim Powers a few times. You know, uh, Steve Lombardi. But, but that that level of talent on a lot of the house shows that I would do. And it was, I mean, great again. Great experience. Great experience. One of the one of the funnest ones I had, and I, I do remember specifically, was probably in eighty. I believe it was eighty-seven. And it was a great American Bash that they were doing at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, and. Bucky was a referee down there, um, you know, State Athletic Commission thing. And he said, hey, why don't you come down just, you know, just in case they need somebody. Again, a great American bash. You you never thought you would get on it. But you're always ready. Take your stuff down. Walked in, and he introduced me to Tommy Young, who was a referee at the time. And, again, just real respectful. Hey, you know, Dominic trained me if, if if you guys need anybody. I'm here, let me know. And someone came up and got me and said, hey, there's a spot. Um, somebody didn't show. There's a local guy working. Would you would you jump in and work um, tag match against the original Midnight Express? So um, Dennis Condry, Randy Rose, I'm like, great. <laughs> jump right in and probably probably got about – you know, if the match was five minutes, I was probably in a ring for about 10 seconds. And, and that was it. But that was enough for me. I, I got in, I did that, I got out. After after the show, I was getting dressed. Tommy Young came over to me and he said, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, Yeah. Walked over. He said, Hey, he goes, respectful guy. He said, The short time you're in there. He goes, I, I can tell you can work. He said, Can you come to Johnstown tomorrow? Great. Go to Johnstown. He goes, get there. He said, and rose again." He said, "But they want to do the finish with you, so they want you in eighty percent of the match." To me, a young guy coming up in the business, I mean, that was that was a that was a big thing for me. So, you know, those were the kind of enhancements, and you know, people back then called them job matches.
0: I mean, we were learning
2: to work, you know, and it was different than it is today. You know, it was. Like going in as a young boy working with, you know, Dennis Condry, Randy Rose, that was a night off. You know, here's the finish, here's how long we're going. We'll talk it out there. And that's what it was. You know, nothing is called beforehand. We don't you don't go over the matches, you don't talk out ten minutes of spots. It was lock up, learn how to wrestle
0: doing that and working for, like, at, let's say NWA at that point and working Conjury and working Rose, are you trying to get in not only, you know, Johnstown, and are you trying to get more bookings, or is it one of those things where you're just taking whatever you can get?
2: I'm taking whatever I can get. I'm, I am going to do what I can do within my limitations. And, again, going back to that, that little birdie in my ear, Dominant, you know, again, be respectful, speaking or spoken to. I didn't go out and, you know, try to put myself over. I just, I'm going to work hard. You're going to see that I can work. And again, I, I, worked, I worked more shots for them. I did that. You know, AWA for a time came in and ran some things. Same thing. Work with them. I, I I'd work anywhere.
0: Who'd you work in uh, AWA?
2: Um, worked with Johnny Valiant. That's just Johnny Valiant. And and it's funny because um, at the time, it was I believe probably eighty. Let me think, maybe eighty-eight. And Rock and Roll Express at the time had left NWA, and Ricky and Robert were having I guess they were having some hard times. One of them gotten had gotten injured, um, and I'd gotten a call from the office in AWA and said, hey would you be interested in working with, like, a new Rock and Roll Express with Robert Gibson? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is we talked about it for about a month. It never came to fruition. But again, you know, as, as a young boy new in the business, it was an opportunity.
0: Almost looked like, especially like a young you, looked like you almost would fit with the Rock and Roll Express, just like that kind of look. Very similar to theirs.
2: Yeah, and at the time, you know, I, I had dark hair, um, you know, early on, and didn't die until later when we were kind of instructed to. So, yeah, I mean, I, I welcomed any opportunity to work. We would work anywhere, and that's how you learned.
0: So when you're kind of working those spots, where is Shane at this point? I know he does do a quick spot for the AWA, and obviously, you know, he ends up working for WCW, but where is he kind of, does he make these- sh- like shows with you or well, he, he did
2: yeah. some yeah, some um, some they did he he did, Mickey did, yeah, early on, and again, I started when Shane started training and Mickey started training, I did not jump right in to do it because i had I transferred colleges, I was still playing football at the time, um, it wasn't until I left left the other university. So I was maybe about a year behind, and they would still we still work shows together, but at the time, um, Bill Watts was working with Dominic, and started to put the UWF tape on, in a local Pittsburgh, um, Western Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio market. So they would send up Eddie Gilbert, Terry Taylor. Um, Missy Hyatt, uh, Freebirds—you know—they would send talent up, and Dominic would run, run shows with those guys under UWF banner. And that was when Shane had gotten his break to go work for Bill Watson, and move away. So when he did that, you know, at, at that time, that's when a lot of those breaks for me were happening.
0: So basically, you know, he goes. Mid-South, and then ends up with NWA, WCW. Foley kind of ends up really kind of on the independents a little bit, I guess you could say, or the Outlaw shows, whatever you want to say, uh, WCW for a bit. You end up right in the USWA. Yes,
2: yes. Um, And that was, you know, the the way that came about, um, Eddie Gilbert was working in Ohio the one night with Jerry Lawler and it was an indie show up there. Brian Hildebrand was on it. Um, I forget, I, I had something going on because I, I didn't take a booking that weekend, and it just happened to fall through, and Brian said, hey, why don't you ride up to Ohio with me? Eddie's going to be there. Now, I had met Eddie when he was coming into town working on the UWS stuff here, and at the time, Eddie, Eddie was doing a lot of work with Watts and it was before Eddie and Missy had got married, so Dominic had asked me, said, "Look, I need somebody I can trust, driving Eddie and Missy, you know, to wherever the shows were." That's where I met Eddie. I was I would drive him around. He, Missy, Buddy Roberts, Michael Hayes, you know, whoever was coming up. And Eddie always wanted to drive with me because he always got on on time. There was never an issue, so I had a good rapport with Eddie. So. Heard he was going to be up here. We hadn't seen him in a while. Walked in, said, Eddie, how are you? He said, what are you doing now? He said, oh, I'm you know, still working, and he's around here. He said, uh, would you be interested in coming down and working in Memphis? And I was working I was working a full-time job at the time. And he said, well, can you come down in two weeks? I said, well, I, I can make it work. And that's what happened. Went down, went um, down. And it was more or less a, you know, Eddie liked me, but it was more or less a tryout. And the first first night I worked was at the Nashville Fairgrounds. And if you know the fairgrounds, um, heels are on one side of the building, faces are on the other side. Went down there. The only person I knew at the time was Joey Maggs, because I had worked some indie shows with him, Baltimore, Jersey, in that area. But he was on the heel side. And... First night out, um, go to the ring, they come up, 10 minutes, here's your finish, you're working with Tom Pritchard. Didn't know Tom at the time, first time I met him, we locked up, he goes, you look like a fucking Shane Douglas, and fucking tickled (laughs) me. (laughs) And from that point on, got along great. (laughs) And And that was it, and after, you know, I was done, boys were coming up thanking me, and then after after night, Eddie goes, "You want a job? Sure." And two days, two weeks later, I had my notice in and and moved on to Nashville.
0: What did you think about kind of that territory at the time? Do you think it was? Not dying, but it wasn't as big as it used to be. Obviously, Lawler is still there. Uh, Jarrett is still there. Jeff Jarrett is there as well. Uh, I meant his father, Jerry, but Jeff is, is there as well. Did you think that it was doing okay as a territory, or did you think it was slowing down a bit? Because you know, Memphis used to be powerhouse.
2: It used to be powerhouse. You, I mean, again, you still had the history there. You, know, you still worked the same circuits. So going down, you would go – Mid-South Coliseum, you'd work Memphis every Monday night. Well, think about that in today's day and age. You would work a town once a week. Tuesday night, Louisville Garden. Wednesday night, Evansville, Indiana. Thursday night would be a house show somewhere. Uh, Friday night, when they were going into Dallas, you would go work a show Friday night, house show, um, get and, and go to Dallas Work the sportatorium, um, leave Dallas, come back into Memphis Saturday morning, do TV at Channel Five Saturday morning, Saturday night drive up to Nashville to the fairgrounds, and then if you were lucky, you had Sunday off. If you were lucky. Um, so to me, you know, looking back in hindsight, of course it was you know not the heyday it was, you know, but. So you're running a weekly show, Mid South Coliseum. You're still drawing two thousand people. Yeah, you know their houses were down probably, but to me, I didn't care. I was enjoying it.
0: How's that drive from uh, Memphis to
2: Dallas? <laughs> Funny stories.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they, they rented Waylon Jennings tour bus.
0: Whoa! So nice.
2: exactly. So it wasn't a drive. It was I lived in Nashville, and I would drive over to Hendersonville, which isn't far,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and get on the bus. And then they would stop in Jackson, pick a couple guys up. Stop in Memphis, pick a couple guys up. and we would drive down to down to Dallas. You know, do the which was the ESPN tapings at the time at the Sportatorium. Do those. Goes over. would get something to eat. Get back on the bus go straight up to Memphis, do, do the TV Saturday mornings, tl 5 and then get in a car and drive to Nashville and work the show Saturday night. Um, but the tour bus was great. <laughs> the tour bus was great. And later on, I'll tell you a funny story. Later on, um, when Eric Embry, uh, Steve Austin, and those guys start coming over, um, Tom Pritchard came in with, with those guys, too. Uh, Steve Austin great guy I, 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 that's another guy I can't give enough credit to you know beyond the stone cold persona I had the opportunity to work and travel with him funny guy funny guy We running a tour bus playing cards and at the time they had brought who was an old timer then uh, Gypsy Joe I'm sure you know him oh yes <laughs> so Gypsy Joe was doing this pistolero gimmick And Joe, we find out, was definitely afraid of snakes. So you're on a tour bus, and the tour bus nickname, they called it Loopy, is what Waylon Jennings called it. You're on a tour bus, and when you sleep in the bunks, the top bunk is literally five inches from your face. There's no room to move in there. It's just a piece of plywood above you. So we're sitting out, and, you know, Gypsy goes in. I'm going to sleep, guys. Don't, don't fuck with me. Don't bother me. Okay. We're really sleeping. Austin takes his belt off, sticks it through the curtains, starts wiggling it on Joe's stomach, and yells, Joe, snake, snake. All you hear is thud. He's out. He gets off his forehead. <laughs> his forehead was big. From the top But those were good times. They were good times.
0: That's great. A little bit of a river, that uh, Steve Austin. Awesome. Oh, he was.
2: Oh my God. I'm 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 thrilled to death. Everything that 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 he's earned in life, I really am. He deserves it. Same with Mickey, Mick Foley, another one. I give Mick yeah. dedication.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say it's interesting. You uh, you know these guys kind of before they became gigantic stars.
2: They deserve everything they've gotten. Honestly, they do.
0: And you were saying Mick was very, very dedicated to the business? Well, oh,
2: without question. Without question, we used to, Brian Hildebrand would drive up with me. So I would pick Brian up at his house, and every Saturday, Sunday, and a lot of times Wednesdays is when we would train. And our routine was get up here early Saturday, and Mickey would be sleeping in his car in a sleeping bag. We'd wake him up, he'd go in the gym and train. So Mickey would drive from New York every weekend to Dominic's I don't know six, seven hours every weekend dedicated dedicated and then Saturday night he would stay with Brian and all he would do is sit and watch
0: wrestling tapes learn that was it Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. It's 2021. Get rid of the cigarettes, unplug the vape, throw out your dip and get some Lucy Nicotine gum or lozenges. Folks, this is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your house each month, so it's simple, and you don't have to leave the house because Lucy has delivery down. Two-man power trip of wrestling listeners. Go to lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP to get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP at checkout also, I have to give you this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So go to lucy.co and make sure to use that promo code POWERTRIP like my brother-in-law does. He really, really has switched from cigarettes to Lucy. So it is just an unbelievable thing for me to promote this stuff to you. One more time, lucy.co. Make sure to use the promo code power trip. That is great, though. He's dedicated, but also a big fan. You know, he's, yes. Uh, he's they loving watching those tapes. They were. When Foley is training, and even Shane, of course, too, do you sense, even well, Austin, too, help put his name in there. Do you sense, like, okay, these guys are really going to make it, or, or do you, you not get that sense? Is that a harder thing to, to really see that, than you know, us as a fan go? oh, wow, look, this guy's got a ton of potential. Is it harder or easier for you to see that?
2: You know, I, I think it's easier, and it was easy then. Of course, you know, seeing Troy and Mickey initially, you know, the only thing we had to compare it to was what do we see on television, and thinking that's another level. But then what is out there on the indie shows? And hands down, at that time, Mickey and Troy were better than anyone on the indie shows. And even Brian. I mean, Brian Hildebrand, you know, refereeing aside, you know, probably I consider the best referee I've seen, but as a worker in the ring, Brian can go. Brian could go. And and Mickey and Troy um to an extent it's funny because you know, Dominic, a lot of times, you go into a town and you, you don't have any names on the card. You know that first match is important, and a lot of times Dominic would book Mickey and Troy in the opening match because it was the best match, and it's the one that the people were most likely going to remember. Well, Troy didn't like an opening card a lot, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but he did. They did, but that's that was the, the level of talent it was had the best match go off first knock them off their seats and they did so looking at those guys you knew they had more than the other guys we saw you know when i got to memphis you know talking with steve looking with steve working with steve you could tell you could tell you know he had that um you know, in, in talking with Dominic, you know, Dominic would sit us down. Um, I remember going to a, a house show with Dominic after Mickey and Julia left um, and before I even went down to Memphis, you know, Dominic sat with me. He goes, my boy, you're next. And, you know, was grateful for that. Um, just didn't work out as, as well as it did for the other guys for me. You know, life kind of, kind of throws threw some sideboards in there, and you got to play the hand you're dealt.
0: Yeah, for sure. How did you end up, because I know you end up hurting your neck, was it for USWA? Was it that match at the sportatorium against John Tatum, I want to say? Okay. It was. What happened? It was.
2: Um, wasn't supposed to work that match. I was actually supposed to work Austin later that night. And... Get there early. Bill Dundee came up to me. He said, "He said, hey, he uh, Goes uh, somebody didn't show. It. You want to work twice tonight?" And it was an ESPN taping, which they were usually like two week delays that they would run. Um, so, and I, I did not know Tatum at the time. I knew of him, never met him. Uh, you know, he probably probably had a little bit, a little bit of alcohol in him at the time. You know, and it was a combination of that. Um, the combination of a, a spot that we did that was supposed to happen, he was supposed to throw me over the top rope. And at the time in that territory, that was an automatic disqualification because I was supposed to come back that night and work with Austin. So I was supposed to go over the ropes, land on my feet, bell rings, DQ, jump back in, chase them off, cut a promo on Austin and, you know, set up for the other match later that night. This didn't happen that way. Um, Shaw me and Duck, from what I recall, a little, little stiff on the throw over the top, but the ropes gave. And if you watch the tape that was on, when I went over and I tried to rotate and turn myself off of that second rope, the top rope just went down and, Instead of me turning and landing on my feet, I landed directly on top of my head on the analogy table, which didn't give. And then my body just snapped over. Oh, wow. It is on tape. (laughs) It is on tape.
0: It's got to be tough to watch.
2: Um, You know, it's, again, it's, you you, you deal the the college you have. Um, and, again, the, the, I guess the, the good thing about it is that it did not air in the Pittsburgh market in ESPN for two weeks later. So I actually had gone out of the hospital in two weeks. I remember because I got a call from my family at home, hey, you okay, you okay? Because I never told them. To this day, my mother, <laughs> they don't know how injured I was. I just, my intention was always heal it, rehab it, go back in. At the time, Eddie Gilbert, Eddie was leaving. He left the territory, um, and I, you know, came up to me in Mid-South Coliseum. Before that, he said, hey, we're working tonight. He goes, I'm going to put you over. And I said, for what? He goes, I'm leaving. I said, Eddie. I said, I'll go with you. He said, no, no, you, just, you have to stay here, get more work. And he said, we're going to go to Puerto Rico. He said, when I come back, I talk to Dusty, and I might get the assistant book down in Atlanta. He said, I want you to keep working because I want you to come down as my blonde-haired baby face if I get in that position in Atlanta. So I stayed there, worked a 30-minute Broadway with him that night. That was my goal. That was my next goal where I was going to get to. It just didn't happen.
0: So you always kind of had aspirations. To be like a booker or assistant booker, you kind of like the behind the scenes a lot? No. Hmm. <laughs> well, here's
1: –
2: after that happened, and I – again, my intentions were, you know, get out of traction, get out of the hospital, go home, rehab. If it takes me six months, a year, go back to wrestle. You know, it was pretty evident, doctors wife said a lot of ligament damage and there was an instability in the movement of my neck that probably wasn't going to be the smartest thing for me to get back in the ring. Um, the risk was too great. So at that time, I said, got to change course here. What am I going to do? And I wanted to wanted to go to medical school, but then I had a had a chiropractor that had helped me somewhat with some rehab. And I said, well, you know, maybe this is a good way to go. And so I just like anything else you know balls at a wall this is what i'm going to do and they, you know instead of taking five years i'm going to get done with this program three and a half and and do that and at the time i was was graduating in 96 I it was late 96 and troy shane was calling me saying hey you know there's this this eastern championship wrestling group that's we're going to start making this change, and I'm, I'm, you know, through the NWA belt down, and why don't you watch some of these tapes? So I started watching some, getting interested in the ECW product because it was different. It was different than what was out there. And that's how I actually started to get involved there. He actually planted the seeds back to come in and do some work there. That's, you know, started getting on the – Helping them on the promotions end, you know, booking, booking towns, things like that, um, and then started to get that itch again. And you know, sat and talked to Paulie one night, and I said, "Hey, Paul, I'd you know, like to maybe get back in the ring, you know, you know, nothing full time. I don't know, body couldn't handle it, but just to try a couple things." And I, I did that too. So I, you know, I said, "Look, give me some of the younger guys in here." with them do whatever so you know work like guido and nova actually worked a was a tv shot with shane one night
1: mm-hmm. yep. down in.
2: um which which is funny because a lot of the guys in the locker room at the time they knew me they didn't know what my back history was and and again not that it was you know, such a great match but you know to, to them here's somebody that they would never heard of and went out and and the story was told, it was it was it was solid. Came back and, and it was actually that match was the first match Joey Styles ever called live to tape. He'd always done everything post. You know, he came up to me after he goes, Man, that was a hell of a match, where'd you come from?
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: Did you tell him? Hey, you know, I used to train with Shane, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of know Dominic Annucci and you know, all what it, What's Well, it's funny
2: because then Brian Lee started telling them that. Brian Lee came and said, hey, guys, guys, let me tell you something. Because I used to work with Brian down in Memphis. He was a funny guy.
0: <laughs> he seems to be one of those, like, mysterious guys where he's, like, off the radar.
2: Brian, Brian Lee is... You know, I remember, you know, you go into a territory and, you know, they'll come up the first night and say, hey, hey, Cody, they're putting you over in a battle royal. And you kind of think that's that's a badge of honor until you realize they're only doing it so you can be the last one in the locker room so they can get out early, get their showers and leave, and you're still in the ring. That's the reason they put you over. And I remember getting heat one night because I'm in a Brian Lee. We're in a battle royal. And he's doing everything to try to make me laugh, and and get heat on me. So he's sitting there talking about people in the front row, and he's like, "Rock me, rock me, rock me! Watch me spill on a fat lady in the front row." Boom! He spits. He hits her directly in the face. And I'm trying not to sell it. I'm petting him again. I'm like, "Stop it!" He said, "Watch me get her again." Boom! Hits her square in the middle of the face, and I crack a smile. (laughs) And Eddie Marlin who was office at the time down there came up after goes Cody, I saw you smile there. You got to keep fade. You can't smile. And I didn't want to rat Brian out. I don't want to stooge him off. Like, yes, sir. Maybe I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> now Brian was a funny guy. Funny guy.
0: It does seem like he has kind of like, uh, I don't know. not been hidden, but he definitely is off the, the beaten, beaten path, so to speak for, uh, Pro wrestlers nowadays. I don't think he did signings or anything.
2: I don't know. I lost touch with them and I, I I don't know.
0: I think Shane did too. I think a lot of people did. Yes. Yes. So when they see you in ECW, you work Shane, you know, first and then obviously Guido and the Nova, is it kind of thought that you may stay there, might wrestle some more, or is that it you had enough?
2: Well it was it was kind of thought that I was going to wrestle more. And, again, it was, you know, practice was taken off, and it just got to the point where, you know, now, you know, I'm going and and, um, I'm setting towns up in Ohio, you know, Dayton, Ohio. We're hitting West Virginia. We're hitting Pennsylvania. Um, It just, that side of it, it was just getting too busy, running a practice. And, again, remember, I've got a family coming up. Um, You know, my, my kids, my family, my wife, they mean everything to me. I, you know, the days that I left doing what I did, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't go back on the road. Physically, my neck couldn't take it, and even to do a shot here and there, I just, I couldn't keep doing it. I just could not do it.
0: So, did you ever get an offer from Heyman, or did you never even got to that point?
2: Well, the offer was whatever you want to do. Oh wow! It, 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 it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, hey, you know. Put you up in the same. It was. What do you want to do? do you want to work? Just tell me. I, again, just couldn't do. It. I. Well, I, I've got nothing bad to say about Paul. I, I really. I. You know, at transition time, that happened. Happened. I like Paul. Great mind. Great mind. Always treated me well. Again, the same thing. I'll, I'll go back to. With Dominic, always taught in the business. You know, give respect, get respect. That's just kind of the way I did business.
0: When you're, you know, wrestling, I guess you're kind of just doing spots for uh, SCW and stuff, and you're doing, like, indie shots. And is is something saying to yourself that you want to get into the promoting game as well? Or, like, what else is going Because you do end up becoming a, a pr- promoter and a producer for wrestling. Is that always on your mind, too?
2: Again, starting out, no. But it was the one way I could probably stay in and give back. And, and work with guys um you know the the whole ecw thing when that when that started falling apart and shane and i left again thought i was done some local guys called said, hey do you want to come out and do this and again it was you no know, small local level not much but it was something i could go out and do it drive a half hour be home you know get my kids to come out every once in a while and you know do those kind of things and you know, and at the time, too, um, Brian Hildebrand had gotten sick, um, stomach cancer, and it was, a, it, was, it was a tough time it was a tough time for me, um, but again, through Brian just meeting a lot of a, like less stature I'd never met before, and me so less a couple of pillmans, I went up and worked mm-hmm. uh, yep. for less. Um, you know, again, more opportunity, just just to kind of stay around and. But you know, the 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 producing end, the booking end. You know, when Shane asked me to help him with XPW, then initially I said, Nah, don't don't want to do it. Um, you know, the intention was, let's try to change it, let's try to, you know, imagine this, with the spot that they have, if you brought in you know, legit talent. And they had legitimate guys there, like 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 Joey Munoz, Chaos. I mean, guys like – they they had guys that could work, that can go. It's just a lot of the angles that they were doing, be um, that Mike. So, you know, you, you, you bring in your Candidos and, you you, you know, in, in Devin's store, you bring guys in and, and get the card better, get the work rate better, and, and start booking things out. And it. You know, and then again, it went from XPW, and and it's funny how again, get respect, get respect. I met a guy there, Kevin Kleinrock. Never knew Kevin, younger guy, and had worked with him out in California. And the funny thing is, <laughs> actually, he came when we were running in Pittsburgh. He came to set some things up, and then when he was here, Car, he had no money to either get home. So I said, I'll meet you out to you know, hook him out to eat, talking to him. So I developed a you know a, a closer friendship and a relationship with Kevin Kleinrock at that time. And again, I always liked Kevin. Um, at the time he was working when he left XPW, he started working with Houston Curtis and Big Vision, which is at the time they had pitched this wrestling society actually, which it wasn't called that at the time. It was supposed to be rancid wrestling. Federation for rants of the band that he liked. Um, and that's how I got involved with, with WSX was through Kevin who asked me if I would you know do some writing and producing there.
0: So you worked did you work for Mass Republic too? And and then you guys would kind of um, go for Extreme Rising as well?
2: Well, yeah, it was you know when the whole Mass Republic thing was was starting out he said, Hey, can I can I put you on the advisory board? And he had a, an advisory board initially. So he had listed me on you know the Mastery Public advisory board. Yeah, but yeah, and then the um we started with the with the extreme rising actually. Um I started working again. Shane calls and says, Hey, got this idea to do these ECW reunion shows. Okay. Um and at the time, he was going to work with Jeremy Borash, asked if I'd help, okay? And, again, I did not know Jeremy Borash at the time. Kevin comes in, you know, does the DVDs, got a big vision for the um, hardcore court homecoming stuff. Met Jeremy Borash. You um, know, again, set the towns up, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, did a lot of work with them. Um, Jeremy was there, Scott Moore got to meet, you know, and this the more years and years ago I'd met him but never really had time to sit and talk and talk with both of those guys then. And, you know, had settled up, you know, paid guys through the night and settled the business. And after the one night, you know, sitting in a room after everything was over, Jeremy goes, hey, he goes, he said, I don't even know what to pay you. He said, me and Shane never talked about it. I said, Jeremy, I, we never, talk, I never talked about it either with Shane. He said, I just he said, I don't see paying you as an employee. He said, I I consider you more like a partner. And that's just kind of the way that discussion went at that point. So, you know, it went from hardcore homecoming went into the extreme rising side of it.
0: And with extreme rising did you guys kind of think that this is going to be national or is it much more we're going to do here, show, here, show, there? Like, you know what I mean? Like the way it was, or did you think it was going to be bigger? I, I,
2: I never thought, I I never assumed it was going to be national. That was that was never never one of my intentions. It was, can we run and, you know, can you get some some regular work for the guys? You know, is it going to be monthly? That was bi monthly that's kinda of the way I was looking at it. You know, I didn't have the the illusions of grandeur that you're ever gonna start ECW. I thought that time came and went. Kinda of my intention. I just I didn't think there was a weekly, monthly market there. I just didn't see it. Um, you know, it was a couple of the shows were gonna, you know, draw some good houses in Philly, you know, hit into Pittsburgh, maybe a couple of the bigger markets, but it, it was never I never envisioned that national-wise and uh, never never did.
0: To me, it's one of those things that's like, I don't know, like wrestling was in a weird position at that point. It was it was starting to lose a lot of popularity to me. People were looking for the nostalgia stuff, but it's weird. It's like, uh, even, you know, WWF is slowly and surely declining massively at that point.
2: Yes. Yeah, that, that that's correct. And, and again, but the understanding, you know, the guys, the guys were older at the time, you know, the the bodies are older, didn't move the way they they could, um, you know, some of the guys were, were battling demons at the time, um, you know, some were pretty well noted. Uh, it was just, it was hard, it it, it it was a lot of work. Put it that way, it was a lot of work. Um, and and I'll I'll be honest, you know, you get. You know, when you think about ECW, okay, you know, one of the guys who got a bad rap there as far as um, the way he would go about doing things was New Jack. You know, New Jack was always supposedly hard to work with. I remember talking to Dave Meltzer, and Dave said, Well, how's things going? And I was telling him, he goes, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Because I told him, I said, New Jack is. Park, you know, I said New Jack is one of the easiest guys to work with. And, and Dave Meltzer's like, "You're kidding me." I said, "No, let me tell you something, Dave. New Jack is helping some of the younger guys out, match wise. Talking to them. New, New, New Jack, I, like, I love New Jack. New Jack during Extreme Rising was was a joy to work with. Was, was professional. Never had an, an issue with him. Never."
0: funny because you would think like okay he's nuts and but you know obviously that's more gimmick than it is actuality
2: yes yeah and, and you heard I mean I, I remember Cleveland the Gore Theater, before the before ECW one night walk out in the auditorium here comes New Jack in the side door with a chainsaw chainsaw not with the chain missing chainsaw running
1: just Jeez. crazy yeah Crazy.
0: <laughs> I remember one time I went to a show when we were in the back. I think it was with Shane and maybe uh, just Incredible PJ. And uh, he was showing us this gigantic knife that he carries around. I was yes. like, oh, yes. Like, yeah, you know, like,
2: okay. <laughs> Always carried that. Yes, he did. I'll tell you a, fun, a funny news, Jack, story. Wrestling Society X, we're shooting a pilot. And we stayed in Koreatown Um, The night before we shot the pilot, actually a couple days before, New Jack stayed there, saw him down in the outdoor lobby area the first day, came up, gave me a hug, we're talking, 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 and (laughs) this homeless crackhead guy comes walking over, and New Jack brings him over and starts talking, starts talking, 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 next thing I know, Perry's gone. Next day, we're at the, at the studio shooting the pilots for WSX, and Kevin's like, please call call New Jack. He's not here. He's not here. New Jack shows up to the studio with this crackhead who he took him to Goodwill and bought a powdered blue ruffled tuxedo and made him wear it. <laughs> so here comes New Jack with his entourage of the crackhead with the powdered blue tuxedo. That's awesome. Oh, it was it was it was hilarious! Hilarious.
0: Now, did he want that guy to be his manager? That that's the key.
2: Oh, well, put it this way: we had to have security escort the guy out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, Jack, that crazy bastard! He is. <laughs> now, as far as Meltzer, any sort of relationship there with uh, Dave?
2: Um, talking, emailing, um, periodically on and off. I'll. You know, drop online. line, how you doing? I, I like Dave. Great respect for him. When we did the benefit show for Brian Hildebrand um, before he passed away from cancer, you know, that was a card that setting up, you know, people don't realize at the time, trying to get stars from all three companies that were doing really well was tough. Um, but I will say, you know, Jim Ross in New York, who I dealt with there, and J.J. Dillon is who was, was doing it for WCW, they were, they were wonderful. What do you need? The only, the only request they made, it was a request. They said, look, we just would not – would wish you wouldn't videotape this and put it out and sell it because it a cross-promotion guys at the time, which we honored, um, I, I gave my word I wouldn't do it, you know, because ECW guys and WCW guys and WWE guys all working on the same card, and I honored that. I wish I would have taped it now;
1: <laughs> would have been
0: yeah,
2: would would have been a classic. But that's you know, talking about Dave Meltzer. Dave was instrumental during that time getting that out, and also flew here by him and his own money to fly here for the show. So flew from California, came in, and that shows you the impact Brian Hildebrand had on people. You know, um, And at the time, you know Flair and Arden, those guys, wanted to come. They, contractually, they were just booked. They couldn't do it. You, you couldn't imagine the calls I was getting from people. Hey, can I get on this show? Can I get on this show? And it was, you know, but the show was people Brian wanted on, the people Brian knew meant something in his life and how he wanted to book them. And that was that, was that show. It was Brian's.
0: So many stars on the show. Obviously Shane and McFoley. obviously, but Benoit, Malenko, Candido, yes. Smothers, uh, Hugh Morris, Public Enemy, Al Snow, Terry Taylor, Chris Terrico, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Kidman. Yes. It was loaded, loaded, loaded shows.
2: And Pretty those cool. guys, yeah, those guys were all on top at the time. And then you look, you know, Bruno San Martino and, and Dominic DeNucci, and Sandy mm-hmm. Scott and Les Thatcher. I mean, go down the list. It was man, incredible. I, I still look at that picture. And I'm just, you know, just amazed at, you know, the guys that are still with us and, and the guys that aren't with us anymore.
0: That show is, is huge. Did you end up producing the one that's a few years later as well, uh, that was in Florida that wasn't as big? Obviously, uh, Brian had passed away. Uh, two years prior to, a boot. did you do that show as well?
2: I I didn't. I, there was I didn't, and there's another. There was one in Knoxville.
0: Oh that, yeah, in two thousand one, right? Then there was another and, one. I think in 2005. exactly. Yeah, The,
2: yeah. the Florida one I did not. The, the Knoxville one I didn't. I worked on the one in Knoxville. Brian's widow asked asked me to work, and and there was a bunch of us that went down and worked on it, but I, I didn't produce it. That was just, you know, simply working and. Is paying respects
0: now with kind of doing that and being a quote unquote promoter. Is that like the aspect of the business that you like the most, or what's like your favorite aspect of the business? Was it actual in ring because you did booking, producing, yes. promoting wrestling? I mean, you did pretty much every hand you could at wrestling.
2: In ring, hands down. In ring, and I actually talking talking to Mickey not long ago. Um, Right during all the COVID stuff, he had been doing these series on, I believe it's A and E, on some of the the WWE guys, like in depth, and um was lined up to do a do an interview before all the COVID stuff came down. But you know, it, it, in talk talking to Mickey, I you know I don't want to say I have regrets, but if I do, that's the one. Regret that I couldn't continue in rings. So, yeah, in ring without question is was the best part. My favorite part it was was what I wanted to do. Um, you know, the booking end of it I enjoy. the The production end, I, I I enjoy with the with the right people working with the right people, like the W S X stuff. I, I can't I can't say enough about Vampiro. Give Vampiro a lot of praise. I mean, love that guy. Worked well with him. Professional, I mean, professional, knowledgeable. Um, just enjoyed working, you know, working with that crew. Dave Marquez, you know, coming. I just enjoyed working with that crew. So the production end of it, I like the booking end. I, you know, again, in ring was my favorite. Still, always will be. Still, always will be. I mean, I, I to this day, I'd get, I'd get in a ring and train with someone. So to be careful the kind of bumps I take now, but. I would still get in a ring and train with someone. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's 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 funny you say that too because I again I you know my in ring career full time was short. You know, from the time I started training in, in eighty six and then breaking my neck in ninety one, early ninety one, that you know, full time in ring career that it was short. And, you know, I, I kinda tell people, you know, you never really recognize, you know, like the most important moments in your life when they're happening a lot of times you don't recognize them you know you sit there and you say well there'll be more moments and a lot of times there aren't so you know when I I look at you ask me that question you know a lot of the USWA matches I had um you know working some some house shows with Lawler you know in a tag match you know working tag with Jeff you know Jeff Jarrett's another one give that guy credit you know going down here's a Here's a good good-looking young guy who whose dad owns the company. You know, that guy could have taken days off, not worked hard, still had that spot. Yet Jeff was in the gym every day working. Jeff worked at his trade. He could have slacked off, he didn't. I give Jeff credit. Jeff worked hard, got to where he got to because of his work ethic. I I I give him credit. You know, working those I I used to love working working house shows with with Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony, um, some really good matches with Eddie Gilbert, like that. Jerry Lynn, worked some tag matches with Jerry Lynn. Great, love Jerry. Under underappreciated, one of the most underappreciated guys in the business.
0: A lot of young great talent at USWA when you were there, like you said, Jerry Lynn and Steve Austin. It's funny, like if you just look a few years forward, you're like. Man, all well, these guys were kind of top stars wherever they went. Yes, yes,
2: yes. And so you know, as far as I, one specific match, no. I, I do. I mean, I do remember. I do remember the night that that I won the belts with Jeff because I wasn't supposed to work that night either. That was one of those, one of those Eddie Eddie Gilbert ribs on me. You know, I was I was supposed to have that night off, and he said, "Hey, do you?" You want to ride to Jonesboro, Arkansas with us? Sure, I'll go with you. And didn't, didn't have any tights or anything. He told me not to bring anything. Little did I know he was setting that angle up. it was supposed to be Danny Davis and, and Jeff Jarrett working for the title that night. And they did a gimmick where Danny got, you know, gig, can, boom. Jeff didn't have a partner. And Eddie said, Tennessee's, jeans, take your shirt off, you're going out and to working tonight. That's all he told me. And that's how he you know said I do remember that night.
0: So you had no idea you were gonna win the side pedals?
2: No. No, and that was just funny because after <laughs> after the match and this is this is what a mark I am. I go back to Jeff, I go, I guess we're working together now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeff's probably thinking this guy's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so kind of looking back, do you have any regrets in the business? I mean, is the injury, is, is that kind of like the biggest regret? You wish you know, it didn't happen, you could have ended up maybe wherever Shane or Foley went or, or maybe gone further, or not really because of the family and the success and the money you were able, able to make outside of the business?
2: That's, that's the hard thing, is, you know, back then where I wanted to go, where I think I could have gone – and, and And Dominic told me this many times, he said you know, hey kid look he goes, you have to, you had talent you you could have been where Mickey's saying the whole thing I, I get that that's what I wanted. you know when you look back in hindsight <sighs> married twenty seven years um got a beautiful daughter, you know worked down at Disney in Florida, got a beautiful son, works for a consulting company in d c um, i couldn't be happier prouder you know looking back at that you know that's that's a catch22 if if i wouldn't have broke my neck and all those things didn't kind of line up the way they did i i, I wouldn't be here and i would not trade this for that you know maybe back in you know, if you would ask me back in 1991 92 maybe um, in hindsight i just couldn't couldn't trade it now
0: as far as like if you just kind of look back or fans look back and they say Cody Michaels his career what do you think they that they say what's like the stamp you kind of leave behind on the wrestling business and not just wrestling but all the behind the scenes stuff the producing the the uh the pro wrestlers versus zombies the uh, the booking <laughs> the the writing all that
2: stuff I'll probably say who's that <laughs> <laughs> I you know again it's I, I go back to what you know we said earlier, you know, the, one of the first thing Tom Dominic Tom, you know, give respect, get respect. I, you know, I just hope that anyone that's met me, you know, through the years, I, I didn't do, I didn't do them wrong. I, I treated them well, treated them with respect. Um, didn't screw anybody over um if someone some of the things i did please contact me
1: <laughs>
2: i 'm not i 'm not hard to find in pittsburgh if you did let let 's talk about it because i i just i just don 't think i ever did and that 's just treat people that way you know i mean that 's in the ring in the business um and in life
0: as far as kind of some plugs and Telling everybody kind of where you are, what you're up to date. Do you do any social media, or not really? You kind of stay quiet, and
2: I kind of stay quiet. I I stay under the radar. <laughs> you know, I've got a I've got a good practice going on. It's it's kind of like I, I don't want to be too busy, and I don't want to be too slow. So I kind of do what I do, and I'm I'm, I'm happy with that now. Um, and I could I could get some plugs or some good Shane Douglas stories.
0: Yes, yes, I was going to say before we let you go, we've got to get some dirt uh, on, uh, on Shane. Come on, okay. what do you got? What do you got? Anything well,
2: you were, you were asking, you said, no, he has a November birthday. He has yes. a November birthday, okay. Now, if you look on, was it Wikipedia or social media? I think they got the year wrong. I think that, I mean, I, again, I was his roommate in college. And, and the date 1961 sticks in my head for some reason.
1: Well, okay. Now
2: that makes him a little older. You know, but if I remember correctly in in undergrad, um I think he may have, they may have held him back a couple of grades in high school. I think he got held back. I think I think that whole teacher lines a bunch of bullshit. I don't think he ever- Oh.
1: Wow, <laughs> damn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Looking at his Wikipedia, by the way, it says November 21st, 1964.
2: Oh, he's older than that. No, God, no. No, he's older than that. Wow. <laughs> he's older than me.
1: <laughs> were you born in 64?
2: I was born in 64. Let me just tell you, he's older than I am. I was born March second, 1964. He's older than I am.
0: Wow. but you guys He is were, older. You guys are freshmen the same year?
2: Freshmen? Yeah, we didn't even know. I mean... <laughs> Actually the first time we met, I, I I was down early uh for football camp, went to a party, got drunk, he carried me home. That's the first day I met him. Um, wow. And that was that was freshman year, yeah. He you no know, <laughs> Ask him some stories sometime. Ask him you know, again, poor college student, so how do you how do you eat? I mean, none of us worked, we didn't have money. So what we did we had a our room was on the first floor of a, of a dormitory. And at the time, the cafeteria started up a, a pizza delivery business. So what we would do is we would call. There were sororities that were up on the other end of campus up on the hill. We would call the pizza shop up, and we would order four or five large pizzas, lots of toppings for one of the sorority houses. And then we would order one small plain pizza for our building on the third floor, far corner of the hall. So, and again, this is all Troy's idea. So when the pizza delivery man went past our place, would stop, walk in the door, we would open our window, and at the time, one of our hallmates was a really fast kid out of Martins Ferry, Ohio. As soon as the delivery man would hit the door, Jim would jump out the window, run to the car, take the five large pizzas, run run them back into our room, and that's how we ate
1: wow
0: and that was, uh, not that was like all
2: a, that was all mr douglas's uh
0: brain yeah not not traditional by any stretch of the imagination there
2: yeah yeah and and we were we were on disciplinary probation together our wow. first year um and if a couple I to, yeah we we had some we had some fun <laughs> <laughs> we had some fun just ask him. Ask him someday about some kidnappings and make sure he oh. tells you a story. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you guys are partying a lot, drinking a lot, and kidnapping people.
2: Well, here's the thing: we we honestly didn't drink a lot. We just goofed off. It was just, you know, we just goofed off. We we found things to do. You know, whether it was do that, whether it was. Again, you will have to ask them about the kidnappings. I'm not. I just heard some stories. You have to ask them that and ask them about hanging, hanging a sign on Old Main towers.
0: Hang a sign where? Old Main, Old Main
2: Tower on the Old Main. Cl- yeah, nice. the face of the clock. Ask them about that. Make them tell you those stories.
0: Nice. So we can. So we can definitely kind of bust his balls a bit on some hidden stories that he hasn't been, uh, you know, divulged. And I, and,
2: and a little birdie did send me some, I do have some pictures. I have some incriminating evidence
0: too. Yes. That, yes. That, that could, it could,
2: could, could, could make its way online at some point.
0: I love it. I can't wait uh, to do that because he likes to be a little river himself. So it'd be great to oh. kind of give, him back.
2: give him the receipt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So his birthday, we can officially say, is not eleven twenty one sixty four. I guess we can no, throw that out no. the window. No,
2: because that would make him younger than me. Right. Don't 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 let him lie to. You. He's older.
0: Is He'll it possibly November twenty
2: first, nineteen sixty three? I again, I think it's sixty one. I again, I think that whole teaching thing. Will, I think it held him back a little bit.
0: Wow, damn! <laughs> I'm Have to ask him.
2: I mean, look at him you tell me (laughs) you don't see those crow's feet he looks older
0: (laughs) true yes (laughs) although he somehow has maintained a full head of hair all these years somehow
2: somehow somehow right right I I I mean I guess I you know I don't I don't want to mention plugs or weeds or anything I just I don't know
0: yeah just throwing it out there that's what I was thinking too is it possible though uh, the birthday? Is it the twenty first, or is that that's even wrong by Wikipedia?
2: It's close. It's close.
0: Wow. Okay. Where do they get their info from? You ever wonder that? Wikipedia. Yeah. Like uh, who knows? Where do they get Shane's birthday? Like who's making that up?
2: I don't know. Again, that's that's one of those. Anybody can go on there and change anything, and you know, whoever sources it, I have no idea. You know, maybe one of his old girlfriends. Who knows?
0: I feel like a lot of that uh, stuff on Wikipedia, not just Shane, but like other people as well, Like is like a, a fountain of misinformation, as uh, Girl Monsoon used to say.
2: A lot of it. A lot of it. I, I go on. Like I saw one site, and they had me listed like four different names. Names I don't even said that i worked under them i have no idea so who put the stuff in who knows
0: so crazy so before we let you go just one last shane thing you got anything that we could kind of um just rip him on as far as wrestling training or did he do anything embarrassing where dominic you know had to kick his ass or or foley had to put him in his place anything uh, good wrestling related
2: you know that i don't um that i don't outside of publicly available right now
0: I, I you
2: know i have more personal stories about him oh I okay okay i got you <laughs> on, the, on the wrestling side of it you know just just
0: <laughs> you know he was trying to keep this interview for a while i kept asking him so finally i said hey i was like are you going to set it up or what <laughs> fine you know he was basically begrudgingly set it up <laughs> cuz
2: <'Cause> he knows <laughs> He knows I have to give him a receipt somewhere.
0: Yes, he knows that you know. That's what it is. He knows that you have all this information on him, and he doesn't want to uh, let it out there. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Somebody's got like the, what do you call it, the gun. Somebody's got like that loaded gun. that they. I got you know. the
2: loaded gun, and there, there's some bullets in there, too. Yes. Or what are they
0: called? The smoking gun. Yeah, they, you have the smoking gun.
2: And there's some pictures. I can give you some, I, I can show you some nice Troy Martin pictures circa 1982. <laughs> a young Troy Martin. <laughs>
0: nice. I love it. Well, Mr. Cody Michaels, so like, thank, thank you for all the time today. Really appreciate it. I know Shane said that you are a, an early bedtime person. that You like to go to bed early. You need extra beauty rest. So I just want to let you know he did say that.
2: <laughs> and at his age, he should be going to bed earlier than I did. You should. But, John, I, I appreciate you having me on. Really, I mean, you're, the lineup you have, you know, with the podcast with Shane and, I mean, Kevin Sullivan and Tom Pritchard, I mean, go down the list. It's You've got you got a hell of a lineup. really do. I'm impressed.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Really uh, kind words. Thank you so much.
2: It was really good talking to you.
0: Yes, thank you so much, and I appreciate all the time tonight. Thank you.
2: Any, anytime. more more than happy to do it. And I'll Like I said, if you want some Shane pictures, let me know. <laughs> I'll tell, just tell him, start the bidding. <laughs> what does mean want out?
0: This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire. Become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two man power trip where the power lies, brother.